1: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, it's me, Thomas Anders. Have you listened to my new podcast yet? Modern Talking, Just Different. Now everywhere where you find your podcasts, and it's really true, you won't get closer to me anywhere else recorded in my living room. I'm looking forward to meeting you now in your favorite podcast app, modern talking, just different. We have a date. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Mirror nine, mirror nine. You twist and turn my mind until I don't know
2: Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. My name is Johnny Cochran at I Johnny Cochran, on my socials. Thank you. Um, we are doing. I wondered what to call this one, but overall, it's a summer transfer window special. Another one. Unfortunately, there's no transfers to talk about, but I am not alone. I am joined by man like Matt Candelà. How are you, Matt?
3: Oh, I'm good. I'm glad that the three of us are united to uh, to talk about. No incomings at the moment, no incomings <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's yeah,
2: we're, we're going to try and make miracles out of an, a, a slow newsweek situation. Pete, you're also with me. How are you doing?
1: Great mate. excited to be on uh, and to get into this uh, this episode of the podcast. No no players um, uh, incoming, although I think that'll change pretty quickly, but um, plenty of news to to dive through.
2: Yeah, okay. Sounds good. Well, you've queued it up perfectly, so why don't we just go ahead and dive in to the hottest of
3: takes? We'll go to you first, Matt Candela. What's going on? Yeah, my hottest of takes is a bit of an unusual one, uh, an optimistic one, mainly because we got a bit of flack from the pod on the the weekend that there was a bit too much negativity creeping in, funnily enough, when you weren't around, Johnny. So... um, I I've taken off my uh my 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 negative or or more realistic specs and looking at the world uh with a with a healthy dose of optimism and I saw a wonderful picture today of Smith Rowe and Le Conga looking uh just very very ec- ecstatically happy in Germany and it just made me think again about how we are all obsessed in this new cycle of who's coming in next who the new players are and there was something wonderful about seeing this young team full of young players who are only going to improve next season. And as you know, my love for Smith Row knows no bounds. The guy got 11 Premier League goals last season. He missed half the season with fitness issues, frankly. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what a player like him can do next season. Hopefully sort that fitness out, get that diet in check. And, you know, he could be 15 to 20 Premier League goals next season. That's Lampard-esque levels. La I think he's had his year to settle. I think we're going to be expecting big things from him next season. I think he's going to get game time. They looked happy. They looked raring to go. And this is the benefit of this young team, you know, when you've got 30-year-olds, 31-year-olds, the Williams of this world, the Obama Yangs of this world, the Lacazettes, you know that their best years are behind them. You know that what you're trying to do is just eke out a little bit more of them before, you know, they finally collapse and have to go to the scrap heap. Whereas these young players have got all their best year ahead, and we also know that it's it's not like a linear line. It's that some of these young players they just bang and they're just they're just transformed. We saw it with the likes of Seth Fabregas, Jack Wilshire. You know they go from being very good to world class very very quickly. So I'm full of full of the joys of optimism today. Pete, Matt's just well
2: you know if we were to look up the word "gassed" in the uh, dictionary. Matt Candela, that, that little intro was like, he is gassed. He's jacked up for Arsenal. He's feeling
1: positive. Um, are you on the same tip? Uh, I, I, I'm no, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not on the same tip this week. Uh, things that are exciting me, Arsenal being linked to midfielders, Tielemans um, sounds like a deal that's going to get done. Um, that's going to be absolutely massive for Arsenal. Uh, I think that there's a lot of strong links with Savage. Um, who plays uh, Lazio? He's a player that's been touted for many years to come to um, England. He's got a lovely little bicycle moustache. Um, I would love to see a player of that caliber in the team. Um, but I think my, my you know my biggest concern at the moment is uh, Thomas Partey is uh, you know and strictly strictly footballistically speaking, Thomas Partey is not on the plane to to go to Germany. He's our our best player by a, by quite a margin. Um, I think our win rate um, with him compared to without him is uh, is startling. I think it's like one point versus two point four points. Um, it's taken a long time to get him into shape, and once again he's uh, he's not available uh, for selection and. The options that sit behind him don't look the best, so I'm a little bit concerned about our midfield. Like we have to remember, our season collapsed when Party came back from Ghana um, and didn't show up again for the you know for the rest of the season, and I'm worried that uh, a start like that could um, could implode our season quite early if we don't get our heads around it. So yeah, my my main concern is who wasn't on the plane. Um, going into Germany. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, to put that in perspective as well, the other
2: day, the reason why I wasn't on the pod, I went to a first birthday party. One of those, I'm in that era where there's just loads of first birthday parties. You know, like when you're older and everyone gets married at one point. Now people have had kids and there's loads of first birthdays and you have to go, don't get me wrong, it's great. But my son had been keeping me up all night. He's got a thing at the moment where he get, he gets up very early and just comes in and does a disco dance in our bed. So we're, we're getting up at 5am every day. So I'm tired. Then I had a three-hour round drive to this first birthday party. And while I was there, my son head-butted me on the nose and drew blood. Okay? So not only was I tired, I was head-butted. And that is kind of, of a bit of a... Oh, don't worry. I don't think he meant it. Obviously... The fact some of his first words were, have that, Dad, just before he did it, um, that that was a bit disconcerting. But um, no, I think it's a bit of a metaphor for how this summer transfer window has started to feel. I was tired already, and then the news that Thomas Party was not on the plane was a bit of a headbutt uh, in the nose, and it kind of was a, a bit of a reset in terms of some of that optimism that we were feeling we realised that we're in a bit of a precarious situation because most of any Arsenal fan's um, idea out there of what a good season looks like, it would involve Thomas Party playing well. I don't really think that anyone has, you know, seen Partey's um, performances in the season, potential performances over the next season, to be something that we could just do without flippantly. And so um, if... For whatever reason, he, you know, was on the plane. If that leads to a long-term, um, you know, a lack of availability for Arsenal, and we realistically, you know, as you were kind of alluding to, we have to replace in that situation. We are just nowhere near set up to, you know, mitigate for that loss. Then it must, you know, impact heavily. And we're here to talk football heavily on our transfer window, potential transfer targets, you know, and our appraisal of whether it's a good good transfer window, you know, will be shaped largely by us feeling secure that we could head into a new season with or without, you know, certain players. So, um, at that point, I want to kind of move into um, a potential a potential transfer target who may help to. I don't know, allay fears, but somewhat go towards that. And what about Telemann coming? So there's your pun. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that works, but we're going to go with it. Telem, Telem man you can't do Telem man coming. Anyway, it's Yuri Telemans. Um More reports coming out that um, we have stepped up our pursuit of the uh, Leicester midfielder. And are ready to make some, you know, um, and don't get me wrong, by the way, this is in the Metro. (laughs) These are in papers that are a little bit liberal with the truth sometimes. So uh, we can't say it's definitely going to happen. But what do you make, Matt, to the even the mere notion that we might be up in it when it comes to Yuri Tielemans?
3: You know what? I feel like this is the most Arsenal-esque transfer ever. Because clearly there's interest. You know, clearly there's been a long-standing interest. It's been there a while. Now, any normal club that has a long-standing interest in a player that has a year left and wants to sign him, what they do when the transfer window opens is they go and sign him. What we seem to think is a good idea is to say, well, we think that we've got a really good chance. We've probably made a lot of contact what it seems and and correct me if I'm wrong that our approach is let's wait till it gets towards the end of the transfer window and let's just start getting a bit nervous about a player potentially going for nothing next season and maybe the price will come down a bit and no one else will be in for him and then we'll pick him up once we've picked up our other priority targets now for me that personally seems like a risky approach in a very volatile transfer window this feels like a window where a lot of people are going for a lot of the same players. That's certainly the way it feels from the outside. That seems like a, a bad situation. Then you get the news that we may be missing Thomas Partey for the foreseeable. Guess what happens? Arsenal are back in for Telemans, and, and that number that we've been talking about, 25 million that have been widely reported, guess what happened? 30 million. It's it's gone up 5 million. (laughs) It's been more widely reported because guess what? Arsenal clearly are in desperate need of a central midfielder to make up some numbers because at the moment, Moel Nenni's starting 38 league games. Um, And so it just seems like the most Arsenal-esque transfer thing. It's like, it's like 40 million and one. It's like haggling over Higuain. It's like all of those things. So Arsenal, just get this deal done. I think uh Pedro shared a, a, a stat map comparing Frankie de Jong and uh and 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 Tielemann and you know and Tielemann was was stacking up pretty well um for a third of the price. So for God's sake, Arsenal, get this deal done and get someone in right now.
2: Yes, Matt mentioned there um about Frankie de Jong and also as a little bit of a scare factor. The Frankie de Jong deal, from what I was reading, looks like it may have fallen through with United. Who knows? It might be back and forth. But if it was, we might be inviting another dog to the dish. And do we really want to, you know, take on that risk, Pete? What are your thoughts?
1: I don't think we want... Listen, Frankie de Jong, (laughs) when he was at Ajax, was absolutely sensational. looked like he was going to become uh, the best one of the best young players in the world. He's gone to Barcelona. There have been questions over his character. Hasn't always showed up in the games. In a Barcelona team that, um, that made Obama-Yang uh, a 10-goal in half a season striker. So I, I'm, I don't want to be picking up a £65 million player that can't make it at Barcelona in, uh, you, you know, in a La Liga that is like very low on competition. So I think it's quite insane what United are doing, loading up with all these Dutch players. Like Donny van der Beek, but like Aaron Ramsey, when, you know, Aaron Ramsey with more in product when he was at Ajax and he's been bad at Everton. He's been bad at United. Um, I would much prefer Tielemans. I think he's a top player, you know, plays um, in a, I think Belgium are the second highest ranked international team in world football. Um, He had a bad season last season, but who Leicester didn't? Um, I like the idea that he's a would be our version of Tiago Alcantara, uh, but with some end product. And I, I think from what from from how it looks, I definitely think the strategy was firstly he's a, he's been on internationals, so you don't get him back into the squad until the 14th of July. So it's not a surprise to me that we're negotiating now to get the deal done because you don't want to pay extortionate wages to someone that's not even training with you but I I think that part of the reason that we have had the ability to go slow on this deal and I might be totally wrong when we get kazan by Newcastle I think it's because um, we've been talking to Tielemans for a while and he only wants to come to Arsenal so you have the ability to do what Barcelona used to do to us they were like well we're going to offer you 35 million for Sesc because Sesc isn't going to go anywhere else and he doesn't want to play for you anymore. So, we're going to offer you half the fee that you'd get if this was a bidding war. Um, I also think that you have to be a little bit wary of um, the price that gets bandied around. It's always, the sell- it's, it's always the selling club that puts the price into the market to placate fans. Um, I suspect that the, the fee for Manchester City and Gabriel Jesus was lower um, than was reported. You know, Raheem Sterling's going for 35 billion. I think that. We can safely say that Jesus probably went for a little bit less than 45 million. But regardless, I am with Matt on one thing, the most important position that we needed to bolster all summer was midfield. I don't know why. I, I know the order doesn't really matter as long as you get it done in the end, but to, Thomas party dropping out of the team last season crushed us and Tick Te- isn't the player that comes in and does that job. So, um, it, it will be Moel Elneny. It'll be Moel Elneny and Tielemans in the side, which is, I, I don't know. But maybe, you know, Matt spoke at the top of the show. We all forget about Emil Smith-Rowe very quickly when he delivered so much output last season. Are we all forgetting that Sam La Conga is actually a really talented player? Vince and company went to the map to tell everybody what a warrior that kid was. And um, he was really good at the start of the season. He just Got dropped out of nowhere in december didn't come back until the forest game i think it was and even then when he came back into the side he was playing with erdegaard he was playing with charlie patino um put uh, put him back in the side next season with a little bit of extra uh, time and experience under his belt and i think you know i think we're forgetting what a good player sammy le Conga is and he has all the same tricks thomas party does he's just a bit younger so um Uh, I'm I'm hopeful that we're going to get these deals over the line and interested to see how we move on midfield and what that does to other positions and whether we have to dial back our taste profile to uh, accommodate for um, potential uh, long-term injuries to other players.
2: Yeah, I mean, so to kind of piggyback off things you both said, so first of all, I think part of the, the, the kind of setup to you, Pete, was not so much about whether or not. Sorry, I've just got a um, Tokyo Drift um, <laughs> superbike race kicking off in the background here. Uh, right. So, the, the way I was um, putting it to you more, Pete, was that as we've currently already seen, if Man United, whose original target was mm-hmm. um, Frankie de Jong, if that deal falls through, are we going to yet again see another club who are, to again go back to what Matt has said, we're all going after the same players. Like, it's different. We're not going after City's players or Chelsea, or, or Liverpool's players because we know we can't get them. There's a, a class difference. When it comes to Tottenham, United, Arsenal, and even Chelsea to a point, as we've seen with Rafinha, we're we're all after that group of players who are not necessarily elite of the elite world-class, you know, I'm... I'm in the top 10 in the world, and it's all players who potentially could even get there or play in and around it, but more like what I would call Champions League quality players rather than world class quality players. Simply put, Man United and Arsenal can't get ready made world class players. We're not in that position. And so when you look at Yuri Tielemans, who for me is the step down, I think he can absolutely be a Champions League level player. Um, he's, he's been at that level before, I think he can get back to doing that again. And so we are, you know, um, inviting the the hyenas into the yard, I think, because at the end of the day, as Matt said, if we were acting decisively, then the Piranhas like United or the Chelsea's or whatever won't have their opportunity. But if we're trying to shave, you know, bits of money off, what we're going to do is going to end up getting bitten late in the day, which is either by a higher price when they realise our desperation has gone up because of, you know new events unfolding, or we're just going to lose the player. And I don't think we're in a position where we can afford to lose main central midfield targets now, because to just finalise on the points that you kind of made, I don't think Telemans is enough. If we go under the um, scenario where Thomas Party may be out for a long protracted period, if that does come to happen, um, then we will need more than Telemans to sort that out. Otherwise, all of our hopes and our you know, uh, um, dreams of really progressing this year gets throw, thrown up in the air. It's into disarray. And I think we would need to... I am not willing to stake our whole season on the back of Sambi Lukonga. For me, I understand where you guys were a little bit optimistic with him. But realistically, I don't think I've seen enough to feel confident that he's going to be able to deal with the pressure, quite frankly... Of what taking Arsenal into a, a Champions League position would bring, um, whether or not he could, I'm not saying he couldn't, but I'm saying that based on what I've seen so far, you know, it remains to be seen um, whether he's got it in him. So, well, I
3: mean, well, I mean, the, the positive is that we've got a relatively easy first ten fixtures. So, if we needed to give him ten fixtures to bed himself to bed him in as playing the lone, the lone fulcrum, I think we couldn't ask for better fixtures and then maybe yeah. just provide some added support around him. Cause we really do have the easiest fixtures of anyone in the league for the first 10. We just got, we literally just got to get past that palace game on the opening day. I feel like he's a better solution than El Neni because we get to play our regular system with conga Whereas with El Neni, we go into a shithousery. We, we basically go into a, a, basically a system like any other team and El Neni is a great athlete and he covers a huge amount of ground and he works really, really hard and he's fu- he's a very functional player but suddenly our midfield looks more West Ham than Man City you know, with a player like with a player like El Neri in it
1: Johnny, the, the one thing that I did want to push back on a little bit is the idea of decisiveness in the transfer window uh, it's not about Arsenal being decisive, it's about other clubs not wanting just one club in for one of their players. And I think that that's what drives it. Ajax want a bidding war. Uh, Leicester are desperate for a bidding war, but they're not getting one because the player knows where he wants to go. I don't think it's necessarily that we're too slow. I think sometimes it's just a case of like, you have to compete um, and players want bigger weight. Look at Rafinha, you know, that everyone tried to be decisive, but no one could get the deal over the line. Um, and on... Um, yeah, on, on, on Matt's point, the, the, I, I agree. Like, Sambi Lukonga, uh pivoting our midfield is better than Mo Nenny, But I do think that there's a slight restructuring. I think they want more lethality in the front line. So if Mo Nenny is just literally serving the ball to uh, players that are more creative and players that can score more goals, then I think you get yourself into a better position um, naturally anyway but I still don't think that Mabonene is the guy that's going to take us to the top four next season. So um, it'll be interesting to see how we uh, deal with that.
2: Yeah. And I, you know, for sure. I I'd certainly get it. Every transfer is different. And of course the stuff with Rafinha, for instance, um, you know, they were trying to engineer a, a bidding war, but we've got to be realistic about the context. Telemans is in his last year, has openly said that he wants to leave the club. Everyone knows what's going on there. And, we also know we've got a history of in situations like this not that i even wanted him but luis suarez who had openly you know been quite open that he would have been willing to come to arsenal certainly not that he was going to push for a move to arsenal and we and we fucked around basically and we we have got form for you know trying to penny pinch when it comes to getting players over the line so much so that it can come time sometimes you know, come back to bite us in the arse. Um, but yeah, no, it, you know, I I do respect the point you're making. Whether or not the lack of transfer activity when it comes to Tielemans te- is down to a little bit of uh, a dalliance from Arsenal, uh, a delaying nature, or whether or not Leicester are really just you know because we don't we haven't even heard about bids being rejected and stuff like that. So you know. If I did, I'd be more encouraged that we were acting assertively.
3: Yeah, I think I think we just need to also be realistic. It, like I used to have a boss and she used to say some, uh, she always used to say to some of our clients, she used to go, your eyesies are bigger than your Tusies, meaning you know what you think what you think you can get what you think you want and what you think you can, and what you can afford are two completely different things, and it might be that we've just got to be realistic about how much some of these players cost and what the cost of not getting them might be. Because it's all very well haggling over £5 million for a player. But what's the cost of not getting the player we want? You know, that, that's also the way that you have to look at these certain scenarios. And right now, the cost of not getting midfield reinforcements has gone up. And everyone knows it. And I think, you know, we have to, we have to move decisively.
2: I think that's a great point. I do. I am now sidetracked mentally into thinking, was that boss your mum by any chance? Go, oh, <laughs> no. yeah, your eyes, are a too big for yourselves. He's a ruffling man like, like Matt yeah. Candela's hair. And he's like, yeah, the good old days. But, um, no, okay, alas. <laughs> okay, right. So Pete potentially invented a word, but maybe not lethality. I'm not sure whether that's a word we'll get back to it at the end. Pot- potentially is, but who knows? The fact is, is that if it is a word, it surely describes this man, Gabriel Jesus. And we got to see a little sneaky peek of his training footage, looking every bit, you know, flexing his lethality in front of uh, the Arsenal goalkeepers. Um, Guys, did you get to see it? And what do you think Gabriel Jesus' impact is going to be on our team this season?
3: Matt, we'll go to you. Yeah, I saw it. I mean, no one's ever looked bad in Arsenal training footage. Video. <laughs> <laughs> Lacazette looked like Erling Haaland last season, like in, and that was in April May when he hadn't scored a goal at open play in about two years. So, um, you know, but I think um, we just we just need him to settle as quickly as possible. And I think having that, we've said it before, having fresh blood, having a big signings turn up. I mean, it's just super important to get everyone motivated and feeling good and, and I think I saw it, 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 it I think it just sort of sums up social media and Arsenal Twitter and everything around it but there was a picture of Arteta just looking so happy and in, 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 in a picture and someone was like clearly there's no issue clearly Thomas is going to be around because there's no <laughs> way that a man can look this happy knowing that he's going to be missing his star midfielder and I looked at that picture and I was like they might they might be right. <laughs> like, and I think um, you know, you can see Arteta, he's he's like that. he he was letting Edu get in some of the earlier photo ops, but there was no way he wasn't gonna be in that photo op with uh with with, with the new Gabby. So um, yeah, it's exciting. Pete Clinical,
2: just ready to turn and bang. That's what he looked like in terms of my perception. What did you think about Gabriel Jesus' first look? in his Arsenal training
1: session. Listen, it's uh, it's a short King summer over in America, and I'm excited to see Jesus. It's like, I, I got very wrapped up in wanting uh, Tammy Abraham. I think that would have been good for our system, but like, make no mistake, this is a top, top quality signing. Uh, he's powerful. He's fast. He can create something out of nothing. I love the way that he can create a a moment from a standing start. You know, Luis Suarez used to be able to to do that. Um, I think he's going to be absolutely magic for Arsenal. He's going to set a new tone. Like This is a pure winner. Four Premier League titles, um, playing in the, the most sophisticated technical system in the world. Like he's ready to go. I think he's going to be absolutely phenomenal this season. So uh, love seeing him the training pitches. Hope Eddie is inspired off the back of him. I Hope everybody else finds their shooting boots as well. And um, I, I hope this is the first of. Um, I hope this is the you know the first of some more quality signings uh, in that final third because. We didn't have our shooting boots last season and it cost us top four. Um, and if we can start up in the levels and like, I do think goals are contagious, you know, and it normally takes uh, young players a while to, to find their footing. But I think with Jesus in the side, I, I think we're going to be a different beast next season. I can't wait.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, your appraisal of Jesus there was actually some of the stuff that I was going to say, look, we're taking about a minute and a half's footage uh, uh, footage that Matt rightfully says, you know, is is virtually 100% always positive. I'm surprised they're not going take 10 before every shot. You know, they'll they'll, get, they'll only put out the the takes where it's gone well. But that being said, what we did see was a player who looks who looks sharp. I think a guy who, if there was a fear when it comes to Jesus, and I don't think most Arsenal fans have it, but when you look at the profile of a player, a guy who's been at a much... Like, when I say bigger club, they're not bigger club. Obviously, we're a bigger club than City. But currently, there's no question from a sporting point of view, they're, they're way bigger than what we're doing right now and the projects and the trophies that they win. When you get players that are moving from, from like, big clubs who are winning things and having to ostensibly take a step down you worry about, will they be motivated? Will they be motivated to remain at a, or, or try to return to the top? You know, or, or are they almost happy to say, you know what, my time at the top tier is over and now it's time to feast a little bit on a lower level. We saw it towards the end uh, with Mesut Ozil, for instance, who'd been playing at Real Madrid, started really hot, by the end, put out to pasture on a very, very handsome salary. But... When you see Jesus, I know it's very early days coming into his Arsenal training footage with which with what looks like to me a hunger, he's he plays hungry in and around the box, those opportunities where it's in and in and around him. He looks like he is a coiled spring. And the other thing which I really like, I know Eddie has it to a certain extent, but we're talking about proven quality, you know, international striker here. He was not waiting, there's no hesitation. We do not need an Alexi Haleb up front who's going to, you know, dazzle feet right up into the keeper and then try and pass to someone. We just want some ruthlessness. So after what we suffered towards the end with Lacazette, allergic to shooting, unless it was a penalty, we need a guy who is interested, dare I say it, almost even padding his stats. I want a guy who is sitting there going, no, every time there's a penalty, I want it. I want 20 this year. I want someone hungry to build his... Goal-scoring stats this this year up front, and if Eddie sees that, and that attitude is contagious, and they both want to chip in, and you know, kind of create a bit of a rivalry for top striker at Arsenal, you know, and it, it, it inspires Eddie rather than um, kind of dimin- diminishes his um, his uh, oh, I think I lost a couple of people there. Diminishes um, there we go. It diminishes his appetite to get into the team. Sorry, Matt. I think I lost you there then all the better for it quite frankly. Well you know um, there's two sorry. words
3: that there's two words that I think are really that you mentioned. One was hungry and the other one was feasting. And I think the best way you can tell the players you want and the players that you don't want are the ones who come back after the summer break carrying a few extra pounds because they enjoyed themselves all summer and they've been out in Ibiza, they've been boozing, they've been eating whatever they want. They haven't been training every day. Those are the players who have already, they're seasoned internationals. Remember when William came back? He looked about a stone and a half overweight, He had a little pot belly when he came back. And of course, they can take it off after six, after a few weeks of pre-season. Of course, they can. But the players you want are the ones who finish the end of the season and go next season. I want to be the best player in the world. They're hitting the tread, they're training on holiday, they're bringing their TRX, they're packing their TRX with them when they go off to Marbella. <laughs> Actually, I don't want to mention Marbella. Um <laughs> but but they're you know, and and then they come back in peak fitness. And I think Gabriel looks like that. You know, he's come back. He looks sharp. He looks fit. I think all of our players do. There's no Luke Shaw's turning up. You know, on on day one of pre-season because I think football that every, every move is watched. You know, and and you can tell when it looks like. I think Jack Grealish went and got dr- drunk in Vegas, and you know. He, it, it, which is, it, it's not fair really to judge him to those standards, but you still look at it and go, is that the way a professional sportsman who wants to be not just elite, but the very, very elite, should, should, should they ever be doing that? When you look at the, the discipline that like a Cristiano Ronaldo has, you know, you, you, you make those comparisons and it is all in the, in small pieces. And I think Jesus looks like he's got that monkish discipline about him.
2: Yeah, it's it's a good point. He does. He does all of the stuff we're hearing is about how he's driven to, you know, reassert himself as a top player. And and really, you know, we've got a player. And this is also why age is important when it comes to signing a player. We've got one who is entering his peak. And has when you think about most players, look, they can't be playing for just money. Most of the top players have already made a fortune that they couldn't spend anyway. At this point, not only winning, but it's it's about your legacy. What are you going to leave? And ultimately, I think that Gabriel Jesus is looking at the situation, thinking, you know, a fair portion, if not the majority, of my story left in my career is still left to be written. And um, we need we need that kind of attitude when it comes to it. Matt, I know we're we're going to wrap up very shortly. It's only a short one. I think it's been quite fun anyway, but. I wanted to get your thoughts on this man, Lissandro Martinez. Look, I mean, this deal has had more, you know, back and forth than the okie-koke at my mum's 60th party, okay? And there was a lot of back and forth, I can tell you. Deal or no deal, do you think that we get it done? We've obviously got competition from Man United who look like they're going to try and uh, lean on him. It it seems to me like it's going to be a shootout between Arsenal and United. Who do you think gets this deal done?
3: Well, one, we have to get this deal done. Um, and the reason for that really goes back to a single game last season, Crystal Palace away. We lost 3-0 and we were without Thomas Partey and Kieran Tierney for the rest of the season. And we went into free fall. And, you know, we managed to get ourselves out of free fall and piece together a decent run. But let's be honest, we relied on a lot of luck and we shithoused a few teams. Uh, and we showed a lot of character. But fundamentally, this Arsenal team does not work very well without Party and Tierney. And Tierney, I think Pete has, 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 has done a lot on it. Tierney will miss half the season. That, that is guaranteed. The only way he won't miss half the season is if he's rotating properly, rotating in and out with another player. Otherwise, guaranteed misses half the season. And it's looking like Party's going to miss a considerable piece of the season, if not all. So those two positions are a priority if we don't want to have a complete repeat of the worst period of our last season, which means we have to get this deal done or another left-back. And I know you've, you've championed Zinchenko or someone like that. That will do for me as well. But we need an elite left, left, left-sided defender, you know, left-sided central, central defender, left-sided, but, but, but fundamentally a left-back because we have Saliba, White and Gabrielle and if that's what we're gonna deal next season with then great the 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 beauty of this one is that he can do more than one thing um I think it's looking unlikely to get this done now i think I think and again what do I know i'm I'm going off twitter, but like uh I feel like that we had to go in we had to go in hot we had to go in with a big offer and we had to get the deal done now now it felt like we we were driving the deal at one point. Now it feels like Ajax are driving the deal and then maybe Man United and then us a third. So I don't hold much confidence um, because they've got two big advantages. Manchester United can pay more money. They've got a wage structure that can make them pay more wages and the coach used to work with him and he can carry on playing centre-half where it sounds like he probably wants to keep playing. So don't have much hope, but you know this is where Edu and Arteta can show what they're made of. Sell, 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 sell. Sell the project. Sell the player, get it done.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I heard you guys talking about a comp for Lissandro the other day. The name that constantly jumps up in my head is Gabriel Heinzer. You're talking about an Argentinian who can play central, uh, center half, and at fullback and play it, be deployed in midfield as well, which I think Heinzer was done on, on more than one occasion. And, you know, you kind of spelled out well on the last pod there. Usually, obviously, I don't like to do sweeping statements about all nationalities of players, but um, the South American players in in general tend to be quite hard and rugged. And I think that, you know, it's something that we're sorely lacking at the moment in terms of not necessarily attitude and spirit, but ultimately just, you know, endurance levels, and an ability to get through a season, because we can't keep having such a key member of our squad because as you said, at this stage, you know, anyone who's expecting Kieran Tierney to get through, you know, 35 games out of the season, we've got to check what's in the pipe that they're smoking these days, because it, it's it's not going to happen. It, it's most unexpected if that was um, to be the eventuality. It would be, you know, a, an anomaly, shall we say, at this stage. So we know that we need um, support there, if not a a, a better prospect you know, starting prospect anyway, which I think there's arguments as to whether Lissandro might be that regardless, like, you know, if they're both fit, Lissandro should start. Um, I do really, really want to get this deal done. I think it would be such a lift for the fans. I think that everything I'm hearing about him and the fact that, you know, um, players in general, I should, I'm sorry, teams in general are going after him. He seems like he's very much in demand is a player that would certainly, certainly raise morale in the Arsenal uh, fan community. Um, and I think that we could all feel a bit, little bit more confident that we are certainly much closer to getting the replacements in that we need with surely a couple more still to follow him. But at this stage, this really does feel like... This one and the Tielemans deal, we've got to get... M- I really think we need to get both of them in. But if we don't get at least one of them in, I'm going to really start to
3: worry for what our summer looks like. Well, we've got to get them both done because the reality is that if we're playing Crystal Palace on the opening day and Tierney goes down in the 26th minute of a crunching challenge, we're like, we're in crisis mode and it's not even half time of the first game. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and I feel like Arsenal were always treading the fine line You always tread a finer line than anyone else. You know, it always seems that we're always on the verge of a crisis. And so when you have plan Bs for crises, then it turns out they don't happen half as regular. You know, if we get Lissandro Martinez, I bet you it'll be the first season that Kieran Tierney doesn't get injured because that's just the way life works. You know, when you have a plan for what to happen, you don't need it. But when you don't, you wish you had one. And I feel like that's just the case for Arsenal. We have to... We have to get have to get this deal done because let's be honest, Tavares is not up to it. Absolutely. Interesting, interesting player, but not up to it. It's <laughs> certainly,
2: certainly interesting, but I, I completely agree with that assessment. Matt, we have reached the end of this podcast. Um, and I think it's been a fun one, little one. There you go, Patreon people. Thank you as always for supporting us and uh, helping us to bring you this content. Matt, where can
3: people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Matt Candela on Twitter Uh, yep I'll be there just just, uh, frantically reloading every two minutes I was literally before I got on I I was reading a tweet about someone had taken a picture of a car with a Dutch number plate at London Colney and was speculating it was Martinez's uh, agent that's that's the stage where I'm at at the moment
2: I saw that news as well (laughs) and I didn't want to report it as fact on this podcast you know (laughs) People getting called out at the moment for that kind of stuff. But overall, um, that uh, without a shadow of a doubt has put a bit of wind behind my sail. That's for sure. I'm like, yeah, that probably Because let's be honest. Arsenal fans are like crazy detectives. Like if ever, you know, I, I don't even own a dog, but if I had a dog and he ran away, I might put a a call out to the Arsenal fans being like, can you find my dog? And I'm pretty sure they'd find him within a day. Like, We've got some real Liam Neesons in Taken in our family. <laughs> do you remember when Issac? on? they like, look, he's just bought a car and registered it in the UK. We've we got some seriously dedicated members. Dick, um, Trace,
3: Dick Tracy, for sure, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, right, so, um, yeah, you can find me, guys, as always, at iJohnnyCochran on my socials. Uh, if you can drop us a follow, that would be much appreciated. As always, I have to do Pete's little outro and his plea because he has um, vacated, although he had a great little cameo today. But please drop a little five-star rating on the uh, podcast on iTunes. It helps us out. But apart from that, ciao for now.
0: ACAS powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, it's me, Thomas Anders. Have you listened to my new podcast yet? Modern Talking, Just Different. Now everywhere where you find your podcasts. And it's really true. You won't get closer to me anywhere else recorded in my living room. I'm looking forward to meeting you now in your favorite podcast app, Modern Talking, Just Different. We have a date. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.
3: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino